Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Say what needs to be said. It's your host, Asante, Mr. Pick 6 Salmon. Week 11 winners and losers. Let's get into it. Week 11 kicked off Thursday night in Baltimore with the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Baltimore Ravens. This was a highly anticipated divisional matchup between two of the top teams in the division and two of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. The rumors turned out to be true. Joe Burrows was dealing with some sort of right wrist injury that was not on the injury report, putting coaches and fantasy football owners in a frenzy. Everyone was upset that he was not on injury report and did not finish the game. But as the first half began, you, you could see the Baltimore Ravens defense would dominate this game. Although Cincinnati ends up taking the lead 10-7 with 5 minutes and 49 seconds left in the first half, Ravens defense remained in total, total control. Then Lamar Jackson starts to take over, scrambling to create time and space with his feet and, and making the Bengals in the meantime look unconfident, unsure of themselves, ending the half 21-10. Baltimore remains in first place after this victory, and that's what they like, and they love it like that. But for me, you know, I love an underdog. I love a comeback story. And I love to see Odell Beckham Jr. getting back to his old playing ways and his old habits because Lamar and Odell are starting to look comfortable together. And that could be very, very scary for future defenses in the future. These two playmakers together can get very scary. And the battle of the AFC North just became more interesting with Cleveland Browns' Deshaun Watson landing on injured reserve with a lingering shoulder injury, right? Because we were expecting a lot of things out of Cleveland, and they still are. And we want to see what they can do because they have a, a top and a number one defense. Let's talk about these quarterbacks a little bit. Because in this era of football, I think it's important to have two legitimate starting quarterbacks on your roster. The backup quarterback position is just as important as a starter now. See, the Cleveland Browns had a perfect opportunity to have two legit starting quarterbacks on the roster, but decided to trade Josh Dobbs, who is now leading the Minnesota Vikings as a starter. And he's a winner. He's a proven winner. And he won his first game as a, as a Minnesota Viking. So I know Cleveland Browns, I know that's biting them in the butt because they looked at Josh Dobbs like he was not an asset on his team. And as you can see, he is definitely an asset. Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. We're going to take this one to the Cleveland Browns Stadium. Holding strong at second place in the division, this was the most physical game of the week between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers because Steelers' running game was too much for Cleveland's defense. Led by running back Jalen Warren, he was the only productive player for the Steelers' offense. Besides that, it was just a piss-poor effort by everybody on the offense. And Miles Garrett and the rest of the def defensive line doesn't make it any better. Because they were too disruptive, just basically too disruptive for the passing game to get anything going, right? The Steelers are going to need a lot, I mean a lot more from Kenny Pickett if they plan on furthering themselves or making it past the first round in the playoffs if they make it to the playoffs. They need more out of Kenny Pickett. Miami Dolphins versus the Oakland Raiders. Now, South Florida weather was perfect for football, and the Raiders came in town with the rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, to take on the Miami Dolphins with full confidence. Oakland Raiders came in riding a one-game winning streak led by a new head coach, Antonio Pierce. But there's a problem with the Dolphins 
and they aren't scoring as much as we're used to seeing. And they're not looking like the old selves. It seems like teams are starting to figure out how to stop this high-powered attack with, with Tyreek Hill and Tua Tonga Valor. Well, sort of, because Tyreek still managed to gain 146 yards. But this may be a win for some coaches holding him down to 146 yards, being that he's the fastest man to ever come in the NFL. Now, the Dolphins are still in control of the division, and I don't see anything changing or anyone to challenge them in the division with the Bills, the Patriots, and the Jets. So they look like they are total control of the division, and we'll see how that pans out. Then you got the Houston Texans versus Arizona Cardinals. What a game. You know, what a game by these two young quarterbacks and um, C.J. Stroud, Kyler Murray. Of course, C.J. Stroud is the rookie, and Kyler Murray is more of the vet rookie. But C.J. Stroud continues to impress, leading this offense better than most veteran quarterbacks will. He is very impressive. Now, Houston Texans' playoff hopes continue to improve, and they are looking like a serious team or a serious contender in the future. After a game next week against division leader Jacksonville Jaguars, the Texans can tie for first place and or take first place in the division. They are my favorite to win the AFC South. I don't know who your favorite is, but they are my favorite. And don't be surprised if they go past the first round in the playoffs because that kid, C.J. Stroud, and coach DeMarco Ryans, they are, I mean, they are match made in heaven. They are strong together, they are confident, and they are playing very good ball. Now, Arizona Cardinals are better than they were before, but they just don't have enough time to catch up to Week 11 and Week 12 with Kyler Murray just coming in under the center. They do look good, and they are a lot better than they were before. But like I said, it's just not enough time, and the defense is just not good enough. And now you got the Dallas Cowboys versus the Carolina Panthers. Man, I, let me just say it. The Carolina Panthers are a bad football team right now, and they need a lot of help in a lot of areas. And they need to fix that, fix that fast. And I'm not exactly sure what the answer is, but Bryce Young is suffering. And the seven long weeks left to continue to struggle and suffer if something doesn't change. And that can ruin a young player's mentality. But the Cowboys came in there and handled their business, making plays all over the field. And me being a cornerback, I have to give shout-outs to cornerbacks when cornerbacks are, are making plays or doing something outstanding on the field. And cornerback Deron Bland, oh, man, he stepped in beautifully, making himself a factor on the defense, returning four interceptions for touchdowns in the NFL, and that's the NFL record. And like I said, he stepped in beautifully for the Dallas Cowboys when Trayvon Diggs went down. And we all know Trayvon Diggs is a playmaker, and Darren Bland stepped right in, and they're not missing a beat. A shout-out to Darren Bland. Say what needs to be said. I understand I always speak how I feel and tell y'all what I see. I think independently and usually have an unpopular opinion. And we'll always catch a lot of heat for that. But it's cool. It's cool. That's why I'm here to tell y'all what needs to be said. Don't worry. I'm going to always tell y'all that. But let's get into this game. Colorado versus Washington State. What I think about it. First of all, it was cold. Y'all don't realize that was the problem when Colorado took on Washington State. It's a lot of young men on that team from the South. And that adjustment to the cold is real. Let me tell you, when I went to play for the New England Patriots, a straight Florida boy, it was one of the hardest adjustments I had to deal with. I didn't have no recollection or no experience with the cold at all. 
right? I didn't care. I don't care if it's 50 degrees, 60 degrees, 30 degrees, 20 degrees. That adjustment is hard. But for Colorado, it is important to end the season with some momentum heading into next season. Although it's only one game left and they will miss a bowl appearance, let's look at the Detroit Lions. Look how they finished last season. Finished very strong now, and surprisingly, they are a top five team this year in the NFL. They are looking good and, and hoping to win in, uh, the Super Bowl, but we'll see how that goes. But they are one of the strong teams in the NFL. But let's be honest with ourselves, with nobody. Was this a successful season for Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffalo? Talk to me. I want to know your thoughts and your opinions. Say what needs to be said. The season started off as good as Coach Prime could have imagined. 3-0 record to start the season and a top 25 college football ranking for the Colorado football team. You couldn't tell the world this new team was, was about to be a powerhouse in college football, right? Everybody was looking forward to Colorado Buffalo and, and the season and the next game. Celebrities was coming out of the woodworks everywhere. And, you know, the momentum was good. And the hype was, hype was there, right? But then their first loss came, you know, against the University of Oregon, a top 25 college football team. And, and that game wasn't competitive at, at all, losing 42 to 6. The loss was bad, man. But I looked at it like it was a learning experience for Coach Prime, being that it was first year as a head coach and playing in, in a big college football conference. And Coach Prime vision for the team bringing in 70 new players. Uh, he needed a chance to understand the chemistry and the dynamic of, the, of his team and his playmakers and, you know, who to build the team around and who to get the ball to and so on and so forth, right? A lot of kids are able to benefit from Coach Prime's popularity and the things that he created around this program, making millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? This is Colorado's biggest recruiting tool, the popularity, the notoriety, and the flashy lifestyle that they able to live and be a part of when they join that team. So that's, you know, that's one of their biggest re recruiting tools. I think that works for, for skilled players more than the halls, the front seven, right? I think that works for them, right? But like any popular coach or popular program, the coach will be heavily scrutinized on, on pretty much everything they do or say. And this just comes with the territory being on a big stage. And, and the Coach Prime embraces that. We all see that. He embraces that dearly. And he's willing to deal with it. And he's going to talk his junk. That's what he do. But let's talk about Colorado football team in their previous seasons. And let's dig into that, right? The seasons wasn't as bad as we assumed. Last year, we all know they only won one game. But in 2021, they won four games and lost eight. In 2020... They won four games and lost two. And it was a short season because of, of the vid and, and things like that. So, you know, that was a winning record. And in 2019, they won five games and lost seven. So they had a little history. It wasn't, you know, they didn't have winning records, but they were winning games. So it wasn't like they were just slapped so out there. You know what I mean? But the game versus Washington State came down to coaching, straight coaching in my opinion. And an ex-offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis was doing a good job, but unnecessary expectations caused him to be demoted. And now Pat Sherman has taken over and the offense looks like it's heading back. I don't know what y'all see, but that's what it looked like to me. Looked like they are going back because this by far was the worst decision by Coach Prime, in my opinion, uh, making this switch, this transition from offensive coordinator. Because there's no other way to put it that Pat and his offense looked horrible. That was a horrible display of a... Uh, 
of offense. They look out of sync. They look flat. And Shador didn't look himself in this game. He looked like he was just out of sync with everybody. And that's, and, and you know, I, I have to say that that comes down to coaching, right? But these are the games that Colorado are supposed to win versus Washington State. Washington State executed in all phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Just as Coach Prime had expressed and hoped his team could put together a, a complete game, right? Offense, defense, and special teams. He wasn't able to, to get that execution from his team, but Washington, I mean, they executed. They put on a clinic, running kicks back and, you know, offense executing, defense uh, running around. You know, it looked good. You got to give the credit when the credit is due. But when you lose a game, everything is bad. And that's the way it is. That's the way it's always going to be. But I like what I'm seeing from Coach Prime. He is getting better with his message after a frustrating loss and not letting his frustration get to him when he's on the podium. Because this is important for the dignity of the team and how the players view one another and, and, and so on and so forth, right? You know, being in the locker room, looking at each other, you don't want to look down on, on a player because of something you heard, right? When I played for Coach Reed, Andy Reed, and we lost, he rarely ever took his frustration out on us or on the podium. He is such a positive coach and does his best to avoid any negativity. He want to stay positive and keep that positive energy flowing through an app, right? But every coach has a different personality. I understand that. And there are always different ways to be effective as a coach and as a leader of men. You know what I mean? But I honestly feel, uh, this is my true feeling. I honestly feel the more you say as a coach, more distractions will occur. I think that is very easy to create distractions by just talking and creating ways of, of, of news that's unnecessary. Because a lot of distractions are created from the podium by, by Coach Prime. And that's my opinion. You know what I mean? But I love that he is being transparent. But I also feel he can tone it down a little when addressing the team and the players in, in the future. This is a learning experience. Like I said, this is I, I, he's getting better at addressing everything, taking the podium. Like This was a horrible loss. And he had a, a, a very good message, right? I'd say that the message Coach Prime preached was a very good message after the loss against Washington State. And I think it was very, very uplifting compared to his previous speeches, right? This is what he had to say. You have nothing, 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 not one thing to hang your head down on. You guys fought, you're resilient, you didn't give up, you could have quit, you could have tapped out. I was looking amongst the bench and I was going up and down, trying to see who was tapping, trying to see who, who lost focus. And I'm so darn proud of y'all, man. Now you understand what we are. You understand what could have and should have would have done if we would have played the first half like we played the second. One play here and there. Keeping contained, doing your assignment, keeping the quarterback in the pocket, making the plays, making the blocks, getting that extra yard. You understand what could have happened. So understand that takes in your mouth and you don't want it again. Because I know we have something special here. And he was proud of the boys coming back in the second half. But that first half was, you know, it is what it is. But that message right there in itself is a different message and it gives the team, gives the team hope and it gives them something to look forward to because you end it on a good, bad note and you just lost and just a new team and, you know, players are, like you said, trying to find the identity. That message and the power of the tongue can go a long way, right? Because I can easily be on here trying to explain something negative that Coach Prime said that was negative in my opinion, but he didn't give us the chance to, for that. You know what I mean? That's a good job by Coach Prime. You know, protect them kids at all times. So I salute Coach Prime, you know. 
and um, what they did out there. Obviously, he didn't get results they wanted, but he was proud of them where they were resilient in the second half. So, you know, salute to Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. Say what needs to be said. Say what needs to be said. Time and time again, NFL teams expect to be one of the top teams in the NFL, but fall short because of injury for some teams. Our quarterbacks are obviously essential to a team's success. So essential a team may trade three first-round picks, trade a coach, or do whatever it takes to acquire a quarterback that the team executives feel will take this team to the Super Bowl or get them to the next level. But in the midst of all these trades to get that one player that the team wants and feels and believes is the determined factor to push this team forward and get that ring, what occurs when that one player has an injury? What do you do next? What do you go from there? Are you prepared or did you put all your eggs in one basket? Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers were both acquired for three first-round picks. Derek Carr was believed to be the hope that Drew Brees gave the New Orleans Saints before he left. And then you have Kirk Cousins and Anthony Richardson. None of these quarterbacks are on the active roster as of week 11. And these teams are struggling to win with the exception of a few in, you know, the Minnesota Vikings. And let's not talk championship possibilities because, you know, when, you, when your star quarterback goes down, now you're, nobody's really prepared and the hope is gone. Nobody believes anymore. Just ask the Bengals. Because now that Joe, Joe Burroughs has been sidelined for the rest of the year, Everyone believes the playoff chances for the Bengals is slowly drifting away if they haven't been gone already. And we've seen when Bengals backup quarterback Jake Browning came in the game, he was unable to get anything going for, for the Bengals offense. And you can tell the difference completely when Joe Burrows was in the game from Jake Browning. It looked totally different. When Joe Burrows left the game, it just felt like an entire season was wasted. Everybody felt deflated in the, the Bengals fan base. You could just feel it in the air. And you can tell that they feel their season was open. They was just fighting and feeling like they were gaining momentum and able to make a wild card run. But then an injury occurs and the Bengals don't have a starting quarterback at the backup position. They have Jake Brown. But let's get back into it. The backup quarterback position is just as important as the starting quarterback position in the NFL. Let me say that again. The backup quarterback position is just as important as a starting quarterback position in the NFL because one play, one possession, one game can potentially cost a team its season, a chance to make the playoffs. What everybody is preparing for in the beginning of the season from mini camp to training camp, OTAs, everything, everybody is preparing to make the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run. Now, when Aaron Rodgers was drafted in the first round of Green Bay Packers in 2005, they still had Hall of Famer Brett Favre. And Rodgers was, a, was able to sit and learn and gain valuable experience for three years under Brett Favre before becoming the official starter. So you see what that valuable experience did for him? It turned him into a Hall of Famer. Teams can't be scared to draft a potential first round pick if they have a franchise quarterback already in place because this turned out to be a great idea for the Green Bay Packers. They didn't miss a beat. Teams can't be scared, like I said, to draft top quarterback prospects if they already have franchise or franchise quarterback in place. You got to prepare for the future. 
This is the new NFL. Now, what if the San Francisco 49ers never traded for Steve Young in 1987? Who replaced Joe Montana in 1991 and went on to win three Super Bowls? What if that never happened? And the New York Jets had the perfect scenario with Hall of Famer quarterback Aaron Rodgers and a top five draft pick in Zach Wilson. But Zach already showed you his true colors and who he is. He showed you exactly who he is. He showed he is not willing to take accountability for scoring only three points in an NFL game. He won't take accountability. So he showed you who he is. Now, on the other hand, if you go out there and you're acquiring two quarterbacks and you want to make this Super Bowl run and you land two bad quarterbacks, that's just bad luck or poor evaluation. So I don't know what to tell you about that. So if you, if the team goes out there and acquires two quarterbacks that are considered starters and they don't turn out that way, hey, man, that's just the luck of the draw. That's just some bad luck. But for GMs and head coaches, they now need to prioritize the backup quarterback position in the NFL in the offseason and secure one, especially if the team has high hopes of making it to the playoffs or deep into the playoffs or the Super Bowl. Whatever your aspirations are, you need to prepare for it because, like I said, these kids are getting bigger and stronger than ever. And injuries are part of the game. Now, when Aaron Rodgers went down this year, it really took the breath out of everyone. Everyone was expecting to see Aaron Rodgers. And even if he wasn't a fan, you was expecting him to go out there and you was expecting to see greatness. A special team take the field in 2023. And we couldn't see that because of injuries, the thing that's a part of the game. But when Rodgers went down, I know my heart dropped. And I know everybody else's heart had to drop. It kind of felt like that fight between Errol Spence Jr. versus Terrence Craw Bud Crawford. Everyone was devastated because we were just hoping to experience a great fight. Just be in the, in the same vicinity as greatness. You understand what I'm saying? And that's how it felt when Aaron Rodgers went down. But the game is definitely changing. And the NFL is doing its best to protect quarterbacks from injuries with these new ridiculous rules. But players are bigger, faster and stronger than ever. So preventing injuries will always be a task and a problem that will be unsolvable because that's just a part of the, the, the nature of the beast. You know, physical big men tackling, running at each other with metal gear on is going to always cause injury. But like we said, we're talking about injury, and unfortunately injuries are part of the game and a constant in the NFL because of its violent nature. But teams need to try to prepare and prepare properly now that we've seen tons and many quarterbacks going down that are starters on the NFL team and had high expectations for that team. And now those expectations are just gone. So prepare for the future. Don't be scared to pull that trigger and make a starting quarterback a backup quarterback and spending a little extra money whether it's $10 million a year, $15 million a year, spend that extra money and take it from another position. And I promise you, your team and your season will have a better season. All right, that's Mr. Pick 6. Say what needs to be said. I'm out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.